Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid to have a second crack at the first race preview of the season. Uh, my name is Chris and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Hello. We have once again reached that point where we can say it's race week. Is it? And is it going to happen? I think so. Yeah. I think this time it might actually happen. Seems Something that way, have to it? go wildly wrong for it to not happen at this point, but... I mean, given this year so far, I'm not going to um, count my chickens until the lights actually go out, but <laughs> things are looking good. Well, yeah, thinking about that, considering how close we did get in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you might have a point there. <laughs> true. Well, considering how many people were stood outside the F1 building today waiting to have a COVID test when I went up there, <laughs> it's safe to say that they're definitely at least going to try to have a race. I hope they weekend. weren't stood too close together waiting for their COVID test. <laughs> oh, no, no. We were all strictly two metres apart <laughs> as per government guidelines. Um, wearing Glad face masks it. and stuff. Had a nice uh, stick, stick put down my throat, around my tonsils, not my nose. Lovely. I still, My eyes are still watering now from that. The sacrifices you make for us, do you? Yeah, I know, man. Yeah, But it's not just me. It's, it's a whole team. <laughs> <laughs> right. There is quite a bit to get through because we've had a few weeks off. So... Let's start with our favourite new feature, calendar news. Yay. Calendar news, which is probably going to be rendered out of date before this episode goes live. Um, but we'll get there. New races at uh, Mugello in Italy and the Algarve Circus in Portugal are looking extremely likely to be confirmed in the coming days. Uh, in the case of Mugello, probably confirmed by the time you listen to this. They're both circuits have never actually hosted races, but they've both been used pretty extensively for testing. In fact, Ferrari were there with their race drivers, and I think it was 2018 cars like a week or two ago doing some testing. So um, they clearly expected the race to be confirmed because I've already been doing some practice there. Mugello's probably going to be the third of a series of back-to-backs after Spa and Monza, which would put it early September, I think. And whether it's coincidence or planned, it probably will mean that um, Ferrari's 1,000th race in F1, um, which they've actually named their car the SF1000 this year for that very reason, uh, they'll actually be able to celebrate that at a circuit that they own because Mugello is um, his Ferraris. So that'll be nice for them. Have a little socially distant mm. party at their circuit for their 1,000th race. Yeah. Cute conspiracies. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they win it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Ain't no party like a Ferrari party. Ain't no conspiracy like a Ferrari conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then if we get a race at the Algarve circuit, that'll make it the first Portuguese Grand Prix since 1996. Um, Imola is still being talked about, but Imola's looking less and less likely, I think. Whoa, Chris, slow down. Please, sir, sir, please, slow down. You're rapid fire statistics going on over here. You've gone crazy. (laughs) There's a lot to cover. gone mad. Well, <laughs> what do we think about these two tracks, Mugello and Algarve? The Algarve circuit, I don't really know all that well, to be honest. Um, Mugello, I know very well from doing many laps of it with you on uh, Forza yeah. 3, I think it was, Stu. <laughs> yeah, back in the uni days. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mugello, I love. Mugello's a sick track. Um, I've watched a few MotoGP races there as well. Um, Challenge it. I think it'll be a challenging circuit in a Formula One car. It's very, very fast, circuit. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's super quick. A few big stops, a few really fast corners as well. So I think that's going to be right. And it's quite a long track as well, isn't it, Miguelo? 
it's it's long in terms of distance, but in terms of lap time, it's probably. I saw someone worked out. You'd probably be looking at like one fifteens, one sixteens for qualifying oh, laps. Wow, there. that's so yeah. fast! Oh my goodness! Because there's not there's some... only there's not really a big breaking point on the circuit. That that's kind of the only downside of this mm. is that I think it'd be a great qualifying circuit, but I don't see the racing there being amazing. Maybe turn one. You've got a good big breaking zone into turn one it's there's a few lines through turn one as well but it, then yeah it, as you sort of get onto that second straight around once you've gone around turn one it sort of tightens up quite a lot and gets really thin doesn't it before you go down yeah. to that chicane yeah so um yeah it might be difficult it might it doesn't strike me as a massively overtakey circuit but i think as a challenge for the drivers especially given i mean probably by then they'll be sort of back to full strength but um given it's a new circuit that they'll all uh all be getting used to all together at the same time because it would never really raced Formula One cars there. Then I think it'll be sick to uh, to see them all going around and trying yeah. to figure it all out. See, I'm I'm actually more interested in the Algarve circuit because mm. where Chris is saying he's done a lot of laps around Magello, I've done a lot of laps around Algarve <laughs> in race room because I because uh. it's one it's one of the fairly early circuits that you race around in race room. Yeah. Um, with some of the GT cars and stuff like BMWs and stuff like that. Um, so I've done a lot of laps around that in uh, sports cars. Not, I don't think I've ever done open wheels in sim on it, but it's that's an interesting track. I think that'll that'll pr- prove to be an interesting circuit. Yeah, to Formula One cars racing. There's, there's a lot of like really sort of blind bends on it, isn't there? Like go, um, yeah. really, really big undulations and stuff like that. So it is a difficult circuit, um, you've, Algarve. You've got a lot of like, um, like you say, it's it's sort of, it's corners that the apex becomes blind because it's on yeah. a crest or as you're yeah. dipping down a crest, things like that. Um, mm. So yeah, there's, there's some interesting undulations, I guess you'd call them. Yeah, to the, it'll, be, it'll be really charging to the corners. Reminds me a little bit of um, Misano in that it there's it looks like there's a lot of corners where you have to kind of sacrifice your speed through one corner to make sure you optimize yeah. the exit for the next one. Yeah, and stuff there like is that. there is that. To be fair as well, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of high speed going into high braking as well, de- depending on yeah, especially I think in the F1 cars because there's a there's a couple of sort of kinks that they'll do flat out so there's bits that they'll flat out corner to corner into from one high end. Yeah. Because there's such, such downforce, of course. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see how the, um, the final turn goes in an F1 car as well. Cause that's quite a big sweeping right hander. So I'd be yeah. interesting to see that's how flat. that goes. It's that's... like, it's like a, it's like the final corner of Catalonia, but, amplified by 10 yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. That's, that's definitely i reckon that's a flat flat out corner in um you reckon in one car yeah in just ones, I, think, I think so i think you're just well maybe not in a williams but in a mercedes <laughs> yeah well, in, a, in the red bull mercedes fuel. ferrari they'll definitely yeah be, i reckon they'll be full throttle through there might be a bit more challenging um, than the other ones yeah played that one on grid autosport back in the day do you remember that i think it was grid autosport yeah i think it was one? in grid as well the, oh, the main actually, games yes, i played it, it in yeah, the main is I played it in his race room, and I'm pretty sure it's in Project Cars Two somewhere as well. But I've not done anywhere near as much driving in Project Cars Two as I'd want to. I've definitely done most of my driving on that in race room. But I think isn't there a long, a long-winded endurance racing grid that's around the Algarve? A little bit like the they've got the fake Le Mans 24 Hours, haven't they? 
where you in sort the of original race for twenty, grid, yeah, 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 like you race for like twenty four minutes, don't you? And like every minute is an hour of the Le Mans. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, really yeah. fun. The, that, the, actually, the, the time, uh, the lighting changes sort of in real time on a minute by minute basis instead of an hour mm. by hour basis. Yeah, it's really so, cool. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice though to see F one cars racing around different tracks and different yeah. proper tracks as well. Most of the time when we get a new circuit these days, it's a street circuit, so. Mm. It'll be cool. And I mean, we've, we've lost out on two brand new, well, new for F1, modern F1 yeah, circuits exactly. as well. We lost the yeah. Vietnam and and um, uh, the GP as well, Zamvort. Yeah, so that it was a shame to mm. lose that, but then there yeah. probably wouldn't be much overtaking it. Uh, certainly at um, <laughs> Zamvort, anyways. So. No, I don't think so. But that's the thing. Like, as much as I don't really think we're going to get amazing races at Mugello or Imola if they go there, if there's ever a time to go there and give it a go this is the year to do it isn't it i mean yeah, yeah. well like you might as well at least try haven't you it, exactly, a gets yeah. an extra race on the calendar and b if it does actually turn out to be a good event for f1 then there's potential to look at working it into a calendar isn't there yeah exactly, it opens yeah. it could it could open doors couldn't it for for different races on the calendar it's going to put pressure on other races as well to sort of yeah. do a better job i think so i think having these different different races pop up on in this very unusual year uh, yeah it's definitely not a bad thing and plus the more races we can have the better right like we're trying to get exactly yeah in. yeah exactly um, yeah when the alternative uh, is not having a race it's always going to be a yeah. winner, isn't it yeah absolutely speaking of there's still more races to talk about chris Still more races. Um, speaking of racing in new circuits, there's a, a second race at Bahrain is looking like a strong possibility. Um, looking like we're probably going to end the season with two races in Bahrain and then still having the finale in Abu Dhabi. But Ross Braun put forward the idea of using the outer circuit um, at Bahrain, which is unsurprisingly the outermost layout of the, uh, of the circuit there. And it basically cuts out all of the second sector of the standard Grand Prix circuit. So it would turn into an 11 corner circuit, although only four of those would actually be breaking zones by the looks of it. Is amazing. By the outer circuit, is that where the, there's the bit at the very top, isn't there, where you cut, you kind of cut across from what yeah. would be, is it like turn four, turn five or something? Yeah, turn it goes four. Straight across to the big back straight at, before yeah. the start it basically cuts yeah, the whole exactly of it. sector the whole of sector two just disappears. Yeah. You just gone. like put off all the infield then, don't you, realistically? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We we used to use that bit in F one though, didn't we? The bit because it used to used to go out that way and then it loops back on itself and comes into the infield. So and if did... I remember right, we used that for a while and then it led to some very dull races. So they said, let's scrap that bit and just go straight to the infield, I think. They did it, it once. I think it, I want to say it was 2012. It's called the endurance layout. And it yeah. basically uses all of the current Grand Prix circuit plus some extra wiggly bits that connect up to yeah. that top bit as well. It was terrible. Yeah, it added like a weird nook onto the nub onto yeah, the top of it, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was awful. But this this outer circuit, so it's just over three and a half kilometers long, so it's only just long enough to actually be eligible for Grand Prix. It would apparently require 87 laps to reach the minimum race distance of 305 <laughs> kilometers. That's cool. But it would it would almost require like a Monza-esque setup because it's yeah, as it's I say, there's no, yeah, there's only four braking zones inside. There's there's a couple of corners at the top section that are 
would be pretty fast flat out, which would make things tricky with a very low downforce setup. But some people think like if they do do the circuit, it might actually like rival Monza as the fastest ever F1 circuit, which is potentially very exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, like if you think about it, I guess after after I don't know if you can't really call it a chicane, can you? But that first little sort of right left right at, at the start of the lap, like turns one two three, yeah. it's a power straight down to the the what would normally be a a sharp turn four. turn four which is kind of dulled off a bit if it's going along the top then the yeah. huge straight down the back straight towards the final turn and then obviously the the start finish straight back into turn one two three so it, it is just three absolutely huge straight that, that is at the top, isn't it? yeah that's monza setup for sure looking at that yeah, yeah. absolutely and definitely that, yeah that top section that's kind of made of like three or four curves. At least three of those would be flat out. It'd only really be the last one of those you'd need to break for. Weren't we talking about a oval of some description last episode? So Ross Braun initially described it as a quote-unquote almost oval. And initially some people thought he meant this very small oval that basically goes around the pit complex that is essentially <laughs> Baby Park from Mario Kart. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But sadly, it's, we're not going to have Baby Park. We're going to have the, the big oh. outer loop. Probably. Baby Park. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Baby Park. Do, 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 do. Oh, as much as you would love that. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> but yeah, as I say, that's, that's likely but unconfirmed currently. And that's all the circuit news we've got for you currently. But given the way the calendar is still being put together week by week, I'm sure we'll have lots more yeah. for you in coming <laughs> weeks. TBC calendar. In other news, we have a new livery for Williams. As I think we mentioned last time, given that they have split from their former title sponsor, Rocket, um, their launch and testing livery livery will never be raced. And they have a new one. Um, What do we think of it? I think it's quite slick. Yeah. It's nice. It's almost got a Mercedes-esque look to it, actually, with with the dots up the back of it. They've sort of taken inspiration from the little Mercedes stars. Um, I like the typeface that they've used for the number. That's nice. That's sexy. Uh, there's a little rainbow on it. I think that's that's that part of the yeah, racist one. Yeah, we'll come on to that. Yeah, that's the racist one. Yeah. Logo, um, yeah. And yeah, quite simple, but I, I like it. It's nice very clean. Mix of black, blue, and white. Lovely and clean. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't fault it. Um, but yeah, I like. I think the other thing that like gives me a slight concern is obviously there's not many sponsors on it, and the sponsors that are on it, I know one of them without <laughs> googling who they are. Yeah. So um, it does make me worry a little bit financially where they're at. But at the end of the day, if they if they can have a half decent season this the season and take advantage of the, you know the the I guess the chaos of the yeah. shifted around calendar and stuff, then it could help. So, I really like it. I really, I'm yeah, looking at like a nice. three, yeah, top d- down three quarter view. Really nice. Yeah, it looks good. There is, you're right though. There is a, there's a bit of space. It's got the Lavazza one on it. That's, for that's the one that, that the I one? know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least it's they've not gone down the um the HRT route of having things like oh, your logo no. would look cool here. Oh, yeah. Things like that. Yeah. That's, that's funny, just yeah. like such an exercise in desperation, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's, I can see they've got 
Ponos written on the uh, barge boards there, which is that like a fake Sonos speaker or something like that? <laughs> Ponos. Ponos. <laughs> do you know what it does remind me of a little bit, actually, the more I look at it, is do you remember when there were BMW Williams or Williams BMW, yeah. whichever around it was? It kind of reminds me of that because that was a predominantly white car with kind of dark blue down the side pods and the airbox and stuff. So it's got a little bit, little hint of that about it, I think. Okay, there's, I'm Googling Ponos, and I'm getting a lot of <laughs> Japanese-based... Um, and there seems to be an app developer, but I think that's the wrong Ponos. Oh, wait, no. No, I've got the right logo here. I think they are. A, they've got an app called Battle Cats. Oh. Go, go. They also have one called um, Go, go, Pogo Cat. Say that five times while you've had a few beers. So it's a, it's a company <laughs> that make app, apps about cats. Ponos they sports. like cats. Interesting. Is what we've learned today. <laughs> Mr. Ninja. Um, oh, God. Lots of cats. Lots of cats. Right. Okay. We need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, what <laughs> is next? McLaren. I can't remember if we talked much about their sort of financial troubles. I think we mentioned the job cuts last time we recorded. Um, they recently had to make around 1,200 job cuts across the company, um, and about 70 of those are from the racing division which when they had a workforce of about 4,000 is a significant percentage. They've now received a loan of 150 million. I've written pounds here, but I think it's actually dollars from the National Bank of Bahrain. They're obviously a team that already have connections to Bahrain. The the Bahraini royal family are fairly major shareholders, aren't they? McLaren have been for quite a few years now. But yeah, this is obviously kind of off the back of the financial burden of the pandemic that most teams seem to be um feeling it's kind of a shame in mclaren's case because they had a number of years of sort of financial issues off the back of them just massively underperforming and dropping prize money and it said it felt like they were sort of finally coming back from that before the sort of current global situation hit and it's worth remembering as well that they are actually one of the teams that get kind of prize money payout from f1 just for turning up as a result of who they are um, not as much as the likes of uh, Mercedes and Ferrari get, but still, it's it's more than a lot of teams get. And for them to still be struggling, kind of puts in perspective just how much the current situation is hurting a lot of teams, doesn't it? Yeah, and how yeah. much they're spending and how much success costs as well. Because yes, exactly, and working to a budget, haven't they? And this has sort of tipped them over it. It shows why we need all of these rule freezes uh, before next year mm. as well, doesn't it? Oh yeah. If you've got yeah. a team like McLaren who, you know, have a very successful sports car um, sales division, I guess, like a, well, sports car development division that make road cars, then they must be really struggling if they're taking money from other companies because they and they must be, they, think how much they must be spending as well. Like Alonso, like he must have been costing them an absolute fortune before, oh, yeah. um, before he left. Um, they've got Ricardo. Ricardo won't have, won't have been cheap. <laughs> I wouldn't have so thought so. The, no, yeah, he's probably the most expensive driver on the market. On the at the, at the point they did the deal, he was probably the most expensive available driver that they could get because they were never going to get Vettel. Yeah, it's it's a bit concerning, isn't it? it More is, than yeah. a bit. Do you think it makes Danny Rick question his decision to sign a contract with them? Because yeah. obviously, if they mm. if they are struggling financially, you. They need to perform this year, I guess, don't they? Yeah, I think the thing to is... To make sure that that stays afloat. 
a company like McLaren, although they obviously make road cars and that's a massive part of their business, they are predominantly a racing team. So they're always going to exist to do that above all else mm. in all likelihood. Whereas Renault racing is just one of the things they do. And as much as they recently kind of committed to F1 for the next few years, you, as we've seen in the past, I mean, look at Honda, for example, you can just never trust that a, uh, the people on the board as a big manufacturer aren't just one day going to say that cost too much money. We're not doing that anymore. So you're probably still a little safer at McLaren, even though they're struggling a little right now. I'm surprised like that, that we haven't seen any of the manufacturers sort of threaten to, or or, like even like rumble about leaving the sport, given the current situation, because like new car registrations in the UK were down something like to, a percent of like what they were the year before yeah in, in april and that can't just be in the uk that must be like everywhere in the world just people aren't buying yeah. cars it's got to be so yeah. i guess when you're mercedes like the the whole strategy at mercedes is they want the business to the, the f1 race race team business to be self-sufficient and they they, they actually want to make profit and especially with the, when the rule changes come in they want to have so much money coming in from sponsorship that they've got spare cash and that'd be profit for shareholders. Um, but when you're McLaren and you're, you know, you've not had that level of success that they had in the past, obviously that's, you're relying on sponsorship money and you're probably going to be spending more than you're making for a while until you get to the Mercedes, back to the Mercedes level, aren't you? Yeah. So it's worrying that they, you, you, almost, you get the sense like when, when, a, when a, team like McLaren are taking out these kinds of loans and it's 150 million in Formula 1 is not a massive amount of money either No, so that's not going to get them through like a season so are they in like I hate to say this but are they in some sort of like dangerous spiral now that they're going to struggle to get out of because of this money situation like are they going to be in like the same situation that Force India were in before um, Lawrence Stroll and co came to the rescue yeah why are they swirling around the drain hole kind of thing? It's it's really worrying. Given the way McLaren have conducted the their business in recent years, I would hope this is them making the right preemptive moves to avoid them going down that rather than it being kind of a panic, oh God, we need some money to keep afloat kind of situation. Yeah. I would also guess, given the aforementioned connections to Bahrain, they're probably getting this loan at a extremely favorable rate, which will help yeah. things no end. <laughs> that, that, that is pure speculation. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the, the interest on that kind of loan, 150 <laughs> million. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they have the right people in the right places to make sure they um they don't have any troubles with that, though. Yeah, quick maths, it'd be on a regular sort of APR basis, say it was like 5% APR, you'd pay 75k in fees Ooh. just for that loan. <laughs> Goodness. That's a spicy meatball. It is. It sure yeah. is. That that reminds me, you mentioned in kind of how most manufacturers seem to be like sticking with and no one's really talking about threatening to leave or anything. Ferrari have even been reportedly having some very serious talks with IndyCar about what it would look like for Ferrari to enter IndyCar so that when the F1 budget cuts um, come in, they have something to use all their staff for and don't need to get rid of them. So, Ooh, 
That's interesting. Yes, to have like teams looking at how they can expand and do other things at a time like this. I mean, Ferrari don't really struggle for money, though, do they? For the for the most part. So no. Um, if anyone's going to be alright, it'll probably that. be them. I'm not 100% convinced that that's necessarily an altruistic move for their staff. I feel like it's more of a power play to say to the people who run Formula One, oh, look, we can we can go somewhere else. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, um, it's str- just based on what Ferrari have said and how threatening they've been to F1 in the past. Like, it strikes me much more as a threat than it does a... Um, I mean, you know, not to sort of... If they do do it, great. And it'd be great for them to keep all those members of staff and and for people to keep their jobs. Obviously, no one wants anyone to lose any jobs. But I just get the sense that there's... The, I can't help but feel like Ferrari are doing it just to say, you know, we, we, we don't have to be around here forever. We will go. Yeah. yeah. And if they it, do go, then, yeah, I mean... Go There's on. always an underlying doubt with anything for us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, There's yeah. always like, a, hmm, what are they up to? <laughs> yeah, there is. There really is. Well, same with any of the top teams, to be fair, as well, like yeah. Red Bull and Mercedes. Yeah, like, they, if they did anything similar, you'd be like, hmm, how much of this is like a, a statement or a ploy or, or whatever? Like, you, yeah. you do kind of sort of sometimes sit back and think that. Yeah, sometimes, like literally everything they say, you think that. Like, what's what's, <laughs> what's the real? It's literally they're worse than the government. <laughs> <laughs> it's also worth adding it would take a lot for Ferrari to enter IndyCar, given that IndyCar in its current guise, the chassis are all made by Delara and Delara, yeah. they're all powered by either Honda or Chevrolet engines. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. Ferrari ain't going to stick their badge on a chassis someone else has made and pair it with a Chevy. <laughs> like that's that's not <laughs> happening anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, be fun to see though. Which we'll see in yeah. in a few years' time, I guess. Who owns um, Chevy? Is it General Motors? Um, it is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. GM. Yeah. So does GM own Fiat, or do, or a Fiat their own thing? I think Fiat their own. Fiat, thing. Fiat's its own group, isn't it? I don't think they're part of GM. No, no, I'm, I've just done a soft Google. I've done a soft Google on this to get us out of this hole. <laughs> they've definitely got Holden. So you're right then. Yeah, Holden. into a hard Google. Oh, yeah. there you go. So they've got Buick, Cadillac, Chevrolet, GMC, Holden, and Wu Ling, which is a, Jap- a Chinese um, um, car manufacturer. So, yeah. Yeah, they don't. Fiat. Uh, Fiat. So who did Fiat own then? Sorry. You Fiat guys carry on. Is... Fiat is obviously Fiat itself, Ferrari, Ferrari. and Maserati, uh, Maserati Alpha. and Alpha. Basically, basically, yeah. pretty much any Italian car is Lancia, a bar, days, isn't it? And Jeep, yeah. apparently. Jeep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the reason weird... I ask is just because I, I was wondering, like, if there was a way of like rebadging a Chevy engine to be a Ferrari engine for that specific need. But actually, if they're not part of the same parent company, then no, obviously that's not going to be possible. Stick, stick a Jeep badge on it. that go down in the, well in the American stick market. A Jeep, a Jeep IndyCar. In terms of the American market, isn't the Fiat thing related to Chrysler rather than Chevy? Isn't yes. there a connection there? Is that where Potentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chrysler, Dodge... Um, yeah. It's basically only like four car companies in the world. Like everyone yeah. else is just a subsidiary yeah. of someone else when it comes down <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah, much yeah. these days, yeah. Yeah. Toyota are their own thing. Toyota are own, and they, they own like Lexus and a couple of other, a bunch of other brands. Um, 
stay on a big mm. chunk of Subaru now, and I know this because I've just got a Toyota GT86, which was developed. Mm. I wondered how long it's had to shoehorn yeah. that in. You yeah, found yeah, a way yeah, in. Yeah, found it. Found a one. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on to far more interesting things. Yeah, sorry. I've just absolutely sidetracked us there. F1 have launched in the past week the We Racers One initiative. Um, this this is all going to be very reading quotes heavy, but I think it's all important stuff to just read as is and give the space to exist. Um, so this is aimed at tackling the biggest issues facing the sport and global communities, the fight against COVID-19 and the condemnation of racism and equality. Part of that, they're creating a task force with the specific mandate to increase diversity and inclusion in the sport. Um, that's going to include input from drivers and teams as well as people from outside of the sport. Uh, specifically focused at identifying the employment and education opportunities for underrepresented groups across Formula One, including science, technology, engineering, and mathematics careers, and the required actions to address these findings. And on top of all of that, it's kind of been started off with a a $1 million fund, which has been personally donated by um, F1 chairman and CEO Chase Carey. Uh, So very much putting his money where his mouth is there. Yeah, big time. Yeah, it's um oh yeah, there's also kind of a foundation being made as part of this to uh finance um internships and apprenticeships within Formula One, again focused on underrepresented groups. Obviously this is all happening off the back of various events in the world in the I was gonna say the past month, past two months. Honestly, my concept of time passing is so broken right now I couldn't tell you the time scales we're talking about. Time has become a vague concept, doesn't it? Yeah. But I mean, it's it's very good to see F one making these um, these moves, and as I say, like Chase Carey personally putting that much money into it is a it's a pretty huge statement, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a great thing. There's there's clearly not enough um, diversity and inclusion of of different um, kinds of people in uh, across all the motor industry, not just Formula One. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, it's about time that changed. So. Absolutely. Great thing. Good good thing to happen. I'm very happy about it. Yeah, I think... Um, it sounded weird to say it like that, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, yeah. I am genuinely like really, really chuffed about it. It's a really cool thing. It really is, yeah. Um, friend of the show, Chamber, put this very eloquently, actually. There's a lot of people criticise this instantly for it being kind of uh, tokenism and kind of <sighs> just hitting quotas for the sake of hitting quotas. Um, and the way he explained it was... F1 is up to a point a a meritocracy. The people who are most skilled at things get the best jobs, but that's still being taken from a fairly small pool and not everybody has the same chance of getting into that pool. So what F1 are trying to do through all this is making that pool bigger and giving everyone an equal chance of getting into that pool. So the most talented people from everywhere are then given the chance to rise to the top and get to get the best jobs which is exactly how it should be yeah, yeah like, the, the, the general be. point of it realistically is it's trying to help fund those that have the talent but not the financial backing mm. that's i think that's the simplest way to put it is there's there's a multitude of people from different backgrounds all over the world that potentially have the talent to to develop their way into f1 whether it's as um 
you know, an engineering perspective, uh, like in, in more of a team perspective as a driver, whatever it might be, but they don't necessarily have the access to to get down that career path because of like a cultural differences and backgrounds, but also b financial reasons. And I think that's mm. the whole point of this is to try and open those doors to people that maybe don't have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, I should point out though, as someone who works for Formula One, that the, you know the door is already open. Like it, it's not like I'm, they're excluding people or anything like that. Like if you're good enough yeah. for anything. It, it, particularly with F one, F one is probably one of the, the most multicultural places that I've ever worked. Like the team that I work for has people from all around the world working in it because we have so many different roles and there's so many different sort of challenges involved in creating the content that we make for all the different sort of markets that we that we make the content for. That you you just inherently you just need to be a multiple multicultural business because you need people from all over the world from all different kinds of backgrounds to do the job in the first place you know to promote the races in the different corners of the globe that that formula one goes to um and in terms of like different opportunities different backgrounds if you know my dad was a minor and i worked for formula one like yeah. how how separate are those two worlds like the you think when you think back to things like the miners strike in the 80s and stuff like that and the son of a man who was on strike as a miner in the 90s now works in the top level of motorsport the, no one can say that formula 1 doesn't allow people in if they have the the, the skills to to do it that's also not to say that they shouldn't be doing more to 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 include more people absolutely they should do everything they can 100% of the time to include as many people from as many different places as many different backgrounds as possible no matter what the color of their skin is no matter what their background is full stop they should just give every just give everyone the same opportunity which i think i think yeah. they do yeah i mean that that exactly proves the point doesn't it like you work with this diverse range of people yeah but which, which you know, it, it shows that the the employing people part, the bringing people in part, is still there and it's open. It's just about that making sure the pool of people that are being seen contains as many people as possible, um, which is yeah. exactly what yeah. they seem to be focusing on, which is the right way to do yeah. it, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that, yeah. And it is, you know, it's very easy because they, they already do a good job, so it would have been easy for them to just, you know, to turn around and ignore the whole thing. Completely. But instead, what they've done is they've taken the initiative and taken a really mature standpoint on it and and made steps to do even more, which is a really, really good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think I think the important thing about it as well is it's the sport setting up its own initiative to to facilitate this, yeah. not not just um, like standing with something that exists. It is the sport setting up its own initiative to um to open that pool open wider and and so on like you say so it's i think that's probably the more the, the most positive bit of it it's like the sport looking at itself and saying right we need to be better at this so mm-hmm. let's do the following uh rather than you know an outside source i guess yeah completely um there's i've, I've got a quote written down from toto wolf i'll get to a little later on that um kind of exemplifies that 
it, it definitely, I think it was a little, the initial messaging of this was a little muddled and felt a little rushed, but I think you can forgive them that given how fast things have been moving in the world recently. Um, mm. Like they, so there's the rainbow logo we mentioned earlier, which already seemed a slightly strange choice because rainbow logos are traditionally more of a LGBTQ thing rather than a, a kind of racism thing, which is what they were kind of focusing on. But the problem there seemed to be that a lot of teams released renders of their cars. Because I think in Austria, all the teams are going to have this rainbow logo somewhere on their car. Like McLaren have got it across the halo. But the team seemed to jump the gun slightly and put a kind of traditional rainbow on there. Whereas the actual one the FIA released is a rainbow made up of the colours that represent the teams, which kind of goes more towards the race as one kind of meshing of it. So that which makes a little more sense. Um, But as I say, I think you can forgive them for it maybe not being perfect straight out of the gate, given sort of the way things have been recently. Yeah. But yeah, all in all, it's just it's it's just a very positive thing, and we can just really hope that um, what they've said and what they aim to do um, actually comes into fruition. Mm. Um, and let's face it, Chase Carey is not going to drop a million pounds into something just for the sake of it. He's yeah. he's going to make sure that money is doing what it's supposed to do. So yeah, positive Absolutely. stuff. Yeah, very good. On a slightly related note, for some reason, people are still asking Bernie Eccleston his opinion on things. Uh, he made some <laughs> questionable, very rambling comments, some of which seem to support things, some of which seem, seem to not, about this initiative and about some things Lewis Hamilton said recently, which I, mean, I won't give any airtime to what he actually said. But um, F1 released a incredibly pleasingly curt statement in response. They said, at a time when unity is needed to tackle racism and inequality, we completely disagree with Bernie Eccleston's comments that have no place in F1 or society. Mr. Eccleston has played no role in Formula One since he left our organisation in 2017. His title, Chairman Emeritus, being honorific, expired in January 2020. (laughs) In other words, don't listen to him. He has nothing to do with us anymore. Absolutely savage. But pleasingly so. Bernie Eccleston just got burned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's, it's, he's in the same category as uh, Jacques Villeneuve. People keep asking Jacques Villeneuve's opinion on things and it's always oh, something God, slightly man. controversial. It's like, just why are people still asking? No one, no one wants like to know. He's like an internet yeah. troll, isn't he? A lot, he really some is, Some of these yeah. guys are. These, like, you can say what you want about Nico Rosberg. At least he's positive. <laughs> the rest of them are like, <laughs> Yeah, you can't say that. He's a positive troll. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly forget Jacques Villeneuve was world champion a lot of the time. Oh, so that's his face. One, if you ever get a chance, just say that's his face. It's like, <laughs> oh, probably, oh, hi, Jack. I forgot you were yeah. world champion. In fact, he's so used to talking things down, he'd probably t- go around saying that he didn't deserve to be champion himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a discussion for another day, but arguably the worst world champion there's been. But that is a bold. That's a bird. Bold. That is a deep, bold. Deep bird. Wow. I hope he's not listening. He's going to come around your house. <laughs> but that that's that's a can of worms we'll maybe open another day. Yeah, big maybe on that one. Big maybe. Bye bye to all Jack fans. Whole episode on why Jack Villeneuve's not a very good world champion. Absolutely brutal. It's like open up a pack of Delitos for sure with that one. <laughs> Let's move on to some more <laughs> some more exciting news. Um, Mercedes have also got a new livery. 
It is a predominantly black livery, which includes the phrase end racism on the side of the halo. Uh, They released a statement alongside this in which, again, much like F1, they were very open about their failures up until this point. Um, They said only 12% of their workforce is female and only 3% of their workforce are from minority backgrounds um, and have basically pledged to ensure that going forward they take the relevant steps to make sure they're attracting talent from the broadest possible spectrum. This is the quote from Toto that I mentioned earlier, which I'm just going to read in full. He said, racism and discrimination have no place in our society, our sport or our team. This is a core belief at Mercedes. But having the right beliefs and the right mindset isn't enough if we remain silent. We wish to use our voice and our global platform to speak up for respect to equality and the silver arrow will race in black for the entire 2020 season to show our commitment to greater diversity within our team and our sport which in in those couple of sentences that's kind of everything you need to know about all of this isn't it yeah awesome yeah um lewis hamilton said i'd like to say a huge thank you to toto and the mercedes board for taking the time to listen to talk and to really understand my experiences and passion for making this important statement that we are willing to change and improve as a business we want to build a legacy that goes beyond sport and if we can be the leaders and can start building more diversity within our own business it will send us such a strong message and give others the confidence to begin a dialogue about how and why they can implement change which yeah I mean, it's, it's amazing to see a company like mercedes and like f1 to be very open in admitting their own failures and again just saying all the right things about um where they need to go and where the sport needs to go uh moving forward it's mm. just all very good stuff yeah you, the, the simple thing is you just want to attract as many as many people as possible really that's the that's, that's the, the thing. ultimate everybody yeah. wins yeah no exactly yeah. everyone does win mm. yeah you, you you hit the nail on the head like the more people yeah. that are into your sport no matter what their background the more talent you're going to pull in the better it's going to be for everyone so yeah keep yeah. it keep it up and then as icing on top of that cake the new livery they have designed to go along with this is just fantastic yeah it's yeah. rad isn't it it looks so cool I will go as far as saying that is the best Mercedes F1 car has ever looked. I don't care that it's not a Silver Arrows anymore. It's just fantastic. It's got Silver Arrows down the back. It does, yes. The the little Mercedes Arrows are down the back in that pattern and they're in silver, so yeah, it's that's the thing. Well, they've, they've kind arrow. of inverted that, haven't they? They've inverted it, so yeah, yeah. The Mercedes, they were those. Um, the there's a name for that, isn't there? What what's the name? It's like a starburst, they call it, or something. Whatever the something Mercedes like that, yeah. star name, name yeah. that is, they've they were like the darker color, and the rest of the car was obviously the silver, and they've sort of flipped that, and now that they're, they're the silver color of the Mercedes car, and the the car mm. itself is is black and it, i think it looks amazing i think it looks really really cool i'd be ashamed if they're and actually the new red um sponsorship on the car works far better over yeah. this livery than yes. it did when it was silver as well i'd agree with that as well yeah yeah it really does and the patronus teal works nice it's just it's just fantastic um yeah i saw someone point but let's out not let's actually. not let's not um let's not trivialize the the sentiment <laughs> of it, you know because it's, yeah. it's still there's an important meaning behind it still Oh yeah, completely. Very important that we recognise, and, and that is a big step. Like Mercedes' whole Silver Arrows thing, like that is their brand as a racing team, mm. and they always have been. So for them to step away from that is a is a bold statement. Mm. Um, I did see someone online point out this is going to be the first time in his entire F one career Lewis Hamilton will be driving a car that isn't silver. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, don't we? <laughs> Which yeah. I hadn't thought That's of. That's funny. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see this going around on Friday. It's going to look amazing. <sighs> I cannot wait. Speaking of which, we should move on to some some preview stuff because we have we have a race to talk about again. Yeah. Bef- before that, just before that, it's been a long old off season. The longest. Yeah. So I, w- a little sort of little thing I sent off to you guys earlier on today was just a, a little you know a little question about like what your biggest moment of the off season. It's been a crazy off season. There's been a lot of obviously um, um, a lot of esports going on, which I'm sure I imagine like at least one of your twos will be esports related. But who was the guy, the Formula E driver who uh, had his mate race for him? Mm. At one of the Daniel races. Apt. Oh, Daniel Apt. Daniel Apt. Yeah, there was there was that thing that happened. There's been all kinds of like crashes and stuff in there, and people like taking each other out just like because. Um, there's been <laughs> driver. Because. There's been re- retirement announcers. There's been all kinds of crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff going on all off season. So I just want to know what your two's biggest moments of the off season have been. Starting with Tom, maybe. I don't know. I th- I think the. The hyperdrived silly season or silly off season, however you want to put it, with the contracts, um, was a pretty big thing. Mm. That that is probably one of the more standout things that's gone on while we've not had racing. Yes. If I'm totally honest, is is the, all that? Uh, like I've enjoyed watching the esports and stuff like that, but I watched, I did watch a lot of stuff like that before anyway. With like kind of being involved in that side of the internet myself to yeah. a degree, like streaming and racing online and stuff. So that wasn't that much different to me. It was just nice to see way more professional drivers uh, doing it and getting involved alongside the the esports racers and, and like having mixed teams or like mixed competitions where you've got like a combination of the the pros from the real world against the pros from the esports world. So that, that was nice to see. But yeah, I think the the whole shuffling of the grid for next season was probably the biggest thing for me overall. Mm. So you're talking like the, the shotgun announcement of uh, Daniel Ricciardo going to McLaren. That's yeah, the, the whole, the whole thing, Seb thing and, and Ricciardo and Sainz kind of and wasn't all it? that kind of stuff. It's it's weird because and because we've still not been racing yet this season, it's really weird when I then look at the grid that's about to line up and I keep seeing Ricardo in Renault gear and I keep thinking, I thought he'd gone to... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not fully registered properly. And like you see science and you think, hang on a minute, why is he not at Ferrari? What, like, what's going on? Like it's, it's still not fully registered where we're at yeah. in time. It's weird, so, isn't it? Because like it's almost yeah. as if like the off-track kind of politics and, and stuff never stopped. Like that all like just got into full swing sort of as the season started and then it's just been as crazy as ever. And yeah. the only difference is there's just been no on-track action, but the off-track action has been absolutely bonkers. Um, Chris, what was yours? <laughs> the the sort of cascading driver market was the first thing that came to mind for me. Um, I think another thing sort of off the back of all the sort of esports stuff and all the drivers suddenly getting Twitch accounts and whatnot... I think it's just this last few months has confirmed kind of what we already knew, which was that with Norris and Leclerc and Sainz and Russell and Albon, the future of the sport is in such good hands right now. Like we've got, we've kind of going through a period of a lot of, it's a bit of a change of the guard, isn't it? A lot of the legends of the last sort of decade are kind of 
coming to the end of their career. Obviously, Vettel maybe completely. Who knows how long Raikkonen and sort of Hamilton and Co will carry on. We lost Alonso recently, but mm. the next decade of the sport is is just in very safe hands. I think there's there's a lot of very exciting talent out there for us to carry on with, and that's that's nice to see. Nice to have confirmed. Mm. Um, yeah, I think mine. I think I'm I'm with Tom to be honest. I think the that was the first when I asked you guys the question. The first thing that sprung to my mind was probably like just the crazy silly season that just seemed to kick off way prematurely before silly season that would actually normally be kicking. Like normally, silly seasons are round about sort of nowish, isn't it? Heading into the summer break when it all starts yeah. to go a bit crazy. Whereas this season it just it started i suppose they had nothing else to do so they all rearranged other contracts <laughs> it's really strange um other than that I, again like there's loads of esports stuff going on isn't there and that's been exciting to watch um the the craziest thing i think the craziest thing for me it was just like the way the season started and then ended so quickly like everyone yeah. thought we were going racing and then literally on the eve of the season, it just all stopped and it was such a big shock and it was such a big... In such messy fashion as well. In, in a kind of, yeah, real messy fashion. So that that was, I guess that was the craziest moment for me, like the realisation that, oh my God, this is it's actually happening. They're not going to run the season. I think that was maybe when some of this started to hit home a little bit more for people over this side of the world at least in general anyway wasn't it the the you know like stuff like this and other sports in the uk and europe coming to a halt i think it was a a big sort of shock of wow this is like a i know this world and this is like a serious thing yeah it's like that it's like i think that's when it starts to hit home isn't it yeah yeah Mm. everyone's had like everyone has a moment in in these sort of these situations where whoever you are, you will have that like, oh my goodness moment where yeah. you realize probably that you're completely underprepared for it and also that it's really going to happen. And that's kind of a really, really scary moment. And I imagine for a lot of people that when, yeah, once sports started being cancelled, that would have been their, oh my God, trigger of, yeah. oh dear, this is this is a real thing. This is happening and it actually affects me. Mm. Which... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> more onto onto something more positive. Um, <laughs> we do have some we do have some st- storylines for uh, for this week leading into the race. So uh, my first storyline this week is um, I'm wondering how the running order has changed since t- testing because we never really like got a a true picture. I don't think of the field during testing anyway. No. Um, no. It was really really jumbled up. I thought through the whole thing. So. That's going to be. It was. We never really had an idea then, and f- what little idea we did have is going to have changed anyway because they've all been developing the cars since, and they've all manufactured loads of com- new components leading into this race. Like some of them, yeah, talking about having like three races worth of components just for this one race. Yeah, and you know they're going to have to basically the practice session, the first practice session is going to be like a test session. Because yeah, just really like is. just like the opener of Australia usually is, the first practice session in Australia is like they just run the cars in and just get everything working I think for a race weekend the, for the first time. I think the first couple of practice sessions are going to be very busy on track. Oh, I'd be yeah. very surprised if they're not like with the like you say with the amount of updates that they they potentially got to to run through and see 
and try and get like actual on track data for, um, mm. I think we're going to see some very busy free practice sessions. Yeah, definitely. I, um, right. I believe in Britain saying that Honda are bringing new power units um, for all four of their the cars they supply for this mm. weekend as well. Cool. This could have like really benefited Honda this this big break because it's Massively. given such a window to to sort of really get that engine on point, get it reliable. They must have done so many. And, and in Japan, remember that the the virus hit a little bit later in Japan and probably not as hard i don't think so they've they've been they've had breaks in in sort of their work calendar in japan but like not to the extent that we've had in the uk so those guys would have been testing engines like day and night surely to if they're allowed to do that they would have been doing that so i imagine that that engine wherever this new engine's got with this extra sort of three months of develop time, that's such a huge amount to 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 add to it. So yeah, you could see the the the, the Honda engine doing really really well. Um, another thing about this circuit is it often brings up quite unusual races, doesn't it? Like we've seen yeah. Red Bull really really do well here the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting one to to watch. Um, my next storyline is who will be rusty and who will shine. So this is, I guess, in relation to like the the amount of esports that have been going on. Um, you just wonder if the chaps who've been sort of practicing a lot online and and in i racing and things and whatever else they're racing in on their sims, are they gonna sort of have the edge over sort of the old boys who are not really fussed on the on the simulators? I think I think there'll be an element of that to it, um, but. To be fair, when you look at someone that, for all accounts, doesn't really do any sim racing at all that I'm aware of, you look at that video I sent to you two of Lewis Hamilton the other day where that workout regime that he was going through that he posted, yeah, that, that, that guy is in peak fitness. Like, yeah. It's like I said to you two when I, was, when I shared the link, like there was only two people on the grid I could see be, like going through that regime, and it's probably him and Danny Rick. Like. Yeah. I just don't see the other drivers going to those extremes with those the, the way they was doing those pull ups and stuff like. Mm. I know they they've all got very good upper body strength and stuff because of the nature of the cars and mm. driving, but I just can't see any other drivers except those two doing doing. Do you know what's mental about that? He didn't mm. even look like he'd broken a sweat while he was. Doing it. <laughs> no, I don't exactly. know, it was like the start of his regime, maybe, but like he didn't look like he was struggling with it as well. And I tell you what, if you asked me to do that, I. <laughs> I'd just I'd flop on the floor. I don't think I'd even be able to lift myself. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. I like, wouldn't even get myself off the ground. Yeah. Especially <laughs> after three of months it. of quarantine, where I've basically put on a stone. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it is more fitness though. Like I can't see anyone having real problems with their actual driving and racecraft and stuff all that much. Um, but I do think towards the end of this first race, you'll potentially sort of see who's been really on top of their fitness and who hasn't in terms of making mistakes like i read today kevin magnuson said he's been like massively working on his fitness because when he first got back in a go-kart he did 10 laps and he was knackered so he's having to um work on that um but yeah i i expect we'll start to see a few mistakes towards the tail end of this first race or two but yeah that i think they're just gonna probably all just slip straight back into it aren't they for the most part yeah, you'd, you'd hope so, yeah. You would. Well, um, it is what they're paid to do. So exactly, yeah. You would yeah, hope exactly. so. And I'm sure they've all been training like super, super hard as well. Like, it yeah. won't just be the the guys posting it on the internet. It's probably all of them. And then but I guess like that, that leads you to the question of 
the drivers who are supplementing their training with lots of sim racing. I mean, it surely can't that's got to keep that's can't hurt you, can it? Yeah, it must be keeping them sharp. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next one, uh, Racing Point versus McLaren is my next one. So obviously we've spoken about McLaren with their um, financial difficulties that they've having been having um, leading into the the season opening race. Um, obviously, if they're running out of money, they've been putting that money to use somewhere and you'd expect that to be developing the car. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Racing Point have basically a Mercedes under them. So I'm really interested to see where last year's Mercedes compares to this year's McLaren. Um, attitudes yeah. seem to be that these two cars are sort of going to be on a similar pegging. So I'm, I'm curious as to, um, you know, where they'll shake out in the grid. I think I've got more faith in McLaren because of the driver lineup than anything else. Um, yeah. Not as a discredit to... Perez in particular, um, but <laughs> I think that out of the two pairings, the more reliable and more talented pairing is definitely the McLaren one. Um, yeah, and and they are two guys. Lando particularly has been keeping himself like pretty on point with what he's been doing online. Science has joined him for a lot of stuff, so. Yeah, I don't really know what Stroll. I haven't. Do you know? I feel like I've not seen anything of Stroll or Perez over the over the break. Really, have you? Not at they, all. They very, they very much both kept themselves no. to themselves. So pretty much, actually, yeah. Yeah, probably just enjoying family time on the ranch. Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, uh, Racing Point, as they usually do, have been kind of playing down how many upgrades they're going to be able to bring throughout mm. the season. Um. They always tend to score the bulk of their points in the first kind of third to a half of the season, don't they? Um, yeah. In fact, before all the races got cancelled, we were saying that given how good their car seemed to be in testing, they really needed to hit the ground running and score their points early yeah. doors before everyone else started catching them up. And I think that's probably... They've probably lost that advantage a little now, haven't they? Because everyone else has had this time to catch up. I mean, Racing Point yeah. has still got a big upgrade package for this first race, but yeah. still. Got to remember though as well, we're saying that they've got all their points in the first third of a season. We've only got a third of a season. That's true, so, yeah. So... <laughs> they could be champions. No. <laughs> Joking yeah, aside though, they might actually finish all right because yeah, it's true, like, actually. It, it, it does depend on what they've managed to upgrade, like you say, and how, how much the other teams caught up where we think they yeah, were. Shorter season, definitely better for them. Yeah, yeah, and for, for any of the t- teams that don't develop over a long period of time, like Williams with financial stuff, them Haas, um, obviously Racing Point, um, AlphaTauri, AlphaTauri to a degree, I guess. Yeah, they don't tend to develop a huge amount. So, like all those teams that generally sort of hit the track with a car and do basic upgrades as best they can over the course of a season. A season like this is probably going to suit them more down to the ground, where yeah. the the races are so compact together that even if we do get a, a good number of races, it's much harder for the teams to be fitting upgrades in in between them. I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the the races are so compressed together, like it is going to be difficult to sort yeah. of come up with new goods in between races for sure. I mean, literally, yeah. we're looking at like three triple headers in a row for the first nine mm-hmm. races at yeah. this point. Which is going to be knackering. Yep. But yep. for everyone who works in Formula One, not just 
not just me. <laughs> <laughs> not just Muggins. This is what I was getting at. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really intense. It's gonna be great for the fans. Everyone's gonna have a race. You're gonna have a race every weekend, pretty much. It's gonna be sick. Yeah, it's, gonna be great. it's gonna be making this podcast gonna be really tricky as well because all our episodes <laughs> are gonna be super long. So you're in for a treat there. Um, the next storyline is the top three fight. I'm really, really even more curious to find out about how the Re- first of all the Red Bull. I think will be absolutely on point in Austria. It, it has been the last couple of years, so we might sort of get a bit of a false start for the other teams in terms of like their competitivity. They might look uncompetitive compared to Red Bull because this is such a Red Bull track. Um, yeah, so and then you've got Mercedes and Ferrari in the mix too. I think it will be surprising if we don't leave these first two races in Austria without Verstappen leading the championship, to be honest. Mm. Um, a, it's difficult to look past at the minute, isn't statement. it? Considering... Considering Red Bull and Verstappen's track record at a circuit exactly, like Austria. yeah, and and Hungary as well, because yeah, it's true. in mind, Hungary is what third race after these it is, two. Yeah. So there's there's something to be said for the fact that, like you say, you know, we could be walking away from at least those first couple of weekends with um, a Red Bull sat at the top of the standings. Yeah, I think, absolutely. I mean, Red Bull feel closer to Mercedes this season than previous years anyway. So to be starting at tracks that favour them. Um, mm. Yeah. 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 And where do, you, where do we think Ferrari and Mercedes are in relationship to each other? Where would, you, where would you rank the top three, these top three, in these first, say, the first three races overall? So um, we're looking, we're talking um, Austria... Styrian Grand Prix and then um, the Hungarian Grand Prix. I suppose it's Red Bull hunting ground, all three of them, isn't it? My, my prediction yeah. would be Verstappen will be leading the drivers after the first three and Mercedes will be leading the constructors, just on the virtue of, I think, on average, Hamilton and Bottas will probably score more points than Verstappen and Albon as a combination because Albon's mm. still very, very new to all of this. Yeah, um, especially if he's. A bit of a... Baptism of fire, might he? At the yeah, the he suddenly finds himself in a car that's capable of winning races. Um, that that'll be a lot to cope with, and I think he'll do a good job of it. But yeah, he will. Um, yeah, I mean that has to be the expectation, right? Like for both it's drivers, be, I think, like, yeah, both drivers are Red Bull. Like Albon, you know, the 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 training wheels are off now for Albon. Like he's got a, I mean, he came up with the goods last season. He has to carry that on now, and you know, do the job and take the fight to Verstappen. And that could be a f- fascinating fight as well once we get down into that. Um, the f- so, Sorry, where do you think Ferrari are going to be in all this? Behind the behind yeah, other two, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, Leclerc or I, Vettel? I think if anyone's going to do anything with that this season, it'd probably be Leclerc. Leclerc's been another one of those that's done a lot of like stuff online, keeping himself sharp. But as well, it makes me wonder how much Vettel's heart's going to be in it because he knows he's well, leaving the team at the end of the season, whatever yeah. it is he's doing. Yeah. So yeah. it does make you wonder like how much effort he's truly going to put in to that final season. And just um, coming off the back of last season and testing the momentum is with Leclerc, isn't it still? Yeah. If he can carry yeah. that forward. Yeah, if he can, I think like I don't know. I reckon Vettel could have, if he if he can get the bit between his teeth early on, then mm. you know he might be in with a bit of a. We might be in for a bit of a shock. He might 
actually pull it out of the bag. But yeah, like I guess like in my heart of hearts, I probably do myself see Leclerc as the sort of the the I don't want to say the better driver, but the the leader of that team now. Really, yeah. like they're going to put all their eggs in that basket if they're going to put it behind in, oh, in one basket. Yeah. And, and let's face yeah. it, it's Ferrari. It's what they do. They put their eggs in yeah. one basket, don't they? So yeah. you sometimes wonder why they bother having a second driver. But anyway, if only ever had <laughs> a basket. Yeah. Um, the final one I've got is um, will again. I guess it's like kind of it relates back to the sort of first storyline, really. But will the extra preseason time have leveled the playing field compared to last year? So obviously, no one. There's not been any car running. Since uh, since everyone left Australia, well, since Barcelona, really, since testing, yeah. and you just wonder with, with this extra preseason time, like whether they've whether that will like close up at least the midfield. So we could could we be looking at sort of one tenth difference in qualifying, just like we had in like two thousand and nine? I think that'd be really exciting to see if we do get that. I hope so. I very much hope so. Um, yeah, I hope there's a bit of a surprise on the midfield as well. To be totally honest with you, I hope the the extra development that they've hopefully been able to do will lead to mm. somebody in the midfield actually really standing out as. Wow, Who do you think could could? Honestly, if it's between anyone, I would probably say it's going to be a McLaren or Racing Point. I think they're going to be the two front runners for it. But yeah. Everyone bar Williams is in with the shot, realistically, aren't <laughs> yeah, they? Of, of being the next big thing. Who's the next big yeah. thing in Formula One? Chris, who's your <laughs> big surprise for uh, Austria? What What do you reckon? If we're rounding this off. I think it's prob- you've got to look at Racing Point, I think, haven't you, given the way they went in testing? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think they're the ones that are going to... If anyone's going to surprise, it'll be them. So, so you reckon Lance Stroll, pole position? No. <laughs> Lando Norris podium. Lando Norris. Ooh, yeah. Lando Norris win would be like amazing. That'd be a nice start. Imagine that, that, that. That might be a bit too far, but yeah. maybe. Yeah. Sergio Perez win. What's more likely, Sergio Perez winning or Lando Norris getting a podium? Say Lando. Lando getting a podium. Yeah. Lando getting a podium. Likely. Sorry, who, who's the, that, was, that was easy. I made that too easy. Podium. I made that way too easy for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's more likely to get a podium, Lando Norris or Sergio Perez? Oh, that's more Perez. difficult. You uh, think Sergio Perez, I, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Who do you think, Tom? I don't know if this is a hot. I think this is I'm a hard decision, you. but I'm Lando Norris, you. I think it's a hard decision. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with both of you and say Lance Stroll. Right, shall we do some predictions? It was an option. Poor, poor Carlos just getting left out of that completely. I know, yeah, she was just absolutely, yeah. To be fair, Carlos could do it just as just as much as uh, probably more likely than either of them. To be fair, <laughs> right, Tom, are you doing predictions, mate? Yeah, should we take should we take this hypothetical predictioning and put it to real prediction news? <laughs> Remember this um, thing that we normally do. Oh yeah. yeah, I forgot about this game. Kind of forgot this existed. Um, so for those who are newer to us this season. Um, we have a little predictions league online where we will go through and predict certain things for a race weekend, which you can all join in with at backofthegrid.com. If you registered on a previous year, if you've been with us before, your accounts are all still valid, just log back in. Uh, If you are new, just get registered and submit yours as well. Um, But what we do is we go through um, five categories and we pick a driver for each. So I will start with our first one, which is 
Fastest in Q3 before any penalties are applied. Who's Who do you want first, Tom? Me I'm going to go with Chris first on this just because of the order of my list. It is going to be... It's going to be Verstappen. That's who it's going to be. Mm. <laughs> Jill? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> the temptation to say Lance Stroll is so strong. <laughs> um, I am going to go... Oh, God, I'm so boring. Should I say Hamilton? Hamilton, yeah. I did a little mini three-second countdown in my head and no other name came up other than Hamilton, so it has to be that. Um, I think I'm going to have to be a little bit boring and go the same as Chris and say Verstappen. They're, they're, your, they're your main two uh, protagonists here, aren't they? It's going to be one yeah, of them. For sure, this bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on to win. Uh, Stu, do you think Lewis will take that pole to a win? So it's or a fresh start. Nice? Everyone's in fresh engines. Mercedes engine's super reliable, usually. Other than Except a, in Austria. Funnily enough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Except in altitude. <laughs> brand, new, brand new Mercedes engine. Not had any running for ages. Um, it's a, it's a, it's about reliability. I think this rather than driver skill, and I'm gonna say Hamilton again for the win. Okay, I'll move on to myself for this one just to keep the order going. Um, yeah, I'm actually gonna go a bit left field, and I'm gonna say Albon. Oh wow. Wow. I would love because I think that Red through. Bull is. I I think that Red Bull is going to be good, and if it's going to go wrong on anyone, sod's law, it's going to be probably yeah. True, actually, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Albon. And Chris. I'm I'm going to put a bit more faith in Honda and say Verstappen. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, next category is the first DNF. Who will go out of that race first? Would you like to know who was the first DNF in Austria last year? Yes. Go for it. So. Nobody. There were 20 oh. finishers. Oh, so that oh, doesn't help. That, in the yeah, well, that is an option. First DNF is an option. Um, uh, sorry, first DNF being nobody is an option, as in yep. everyone finishes. Yep, that so is, that is an option as part that, of the predictions. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, to, with it being a, a pretty compact weekend, the thing to bear in mind as well is they have to start the race to be a DNF. So if someone didn't make it to the grid for any reason, that doesn't count. Um, I suppose I should go first, shouldn't I? Um, I'm going to go with <laughs> Sebastian Vettel. Ooh, that's so harsh. You're a monster. I just think that that's what might happen. Turn one incident. Yeah, desperation, like, elbows out. Bottas race the season. glides into the side of him and he's, he's done. Radiator, poof. I mean, if, if, if we think Ferrari's going to be like the third fastest team, starting kind of fifth or sixth on the grid is a great place to be punted by someone in the midfield, actually. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I've, done, I've done this once before, which is call an exact incident. Turn back <laughs> I'm, I'm going for this being my second ever one. You're going for Funnily enough, it involved Bottas and a Ferrari last time. Yeah. <laughs> it was Bottas um, and Raikkonen, but uh, Chris, what about you? I'm going to go absolute route one, Roman Grosjean. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, I was sort of oh. leaning in that direction. Oh, that's um, the running joke of the show right there. 
Poor little man. I am going to go midfield as well, but I'm going to say Ricardo. He's had, he's, he has such terrible Ooh. look. I know, don't hate me, everyone. Don't hate me. I love Ricardo, mm. but I just, I've just i got a bad feeling. I think he's going to get yeah. punted. That's fair. Okay. Um, I'm going to stay with you, Stu, for the number of finishes. Seems like you've been so harsh to Danny Rick. Okay. What are you saying? Oh, oh right. I'm with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> number of finishes. Since all 20 finished last season, it's the start of the season. There's going to be reliability issues, I'd say. Or are there going to be reliability issues because they've had loads of time to develop? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go conservative 18. Hmm. Oh, that's kind of where I More than I usually it. say. Normally I stick around the 16, 17 magic, yeah. magic number, but I've gone 18 today. Chris, what about yourself? I'm going to go a slightly more calamitous 16. Then that leaves the middle ground perfect for me. <laughs> I will say 17. Oh, slide in there with 17. I, you know what? I the like middle. the look of these predictions from Tom. <laughs> I like the look of those. <laughs> could be interesting. Uh, the last mm. category is a random driver. So, Chris, could you provide us with one from the magical document? I absolutely please? can. It is. Oh. Powered by Google. Random number generator. Oh, what have we got? Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, that's a money mouth situation money mouth. for you. Hashtag um, money mouth. I, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go seventh. I think. Optimist in a Renault. When you've got yeah, Racing Point I'm, and McLaren. I've got three DNFs though, haven't I? One being Vettel as well. There's, yeah, I suppose. There's going to be stuff going on in front of him. I'm, I'm going seventh. Did I say seventh? I'm going seventh. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> That's, where I'm, yeah. I, <laughs> That's where I'm now I'm settled. I'm liking the look <laughs> of these predictions of Tom's more and more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, what about you? Um, let's give him a point. I'll say tenth. I'm going to put Stu. my hashtag money in my mouth. And say first DNF. Let's put him twentieth. He's going for it. Yeah. I like it. Let's do that's it. A, that's Let's a hashtag money mouth. Yeah, love it. Right, Ricardo's so that... sitting at home listening to this, going, "Sir, please." <laughs> <laughs> I hope Danny Ricardo is at home listening to this. That'd make nice. my day. That'd make my day. Um. On another note, though, if you would like to join in and show us how it's done, um, as I said before, head to backofthegrid.com, register if you've not partaken before, or log back in if you have, um, and you'll be able to submit your results, um, sorry, your predictions for the results. The closing time is right before qualifying, so you have you have the advantage of getting your eye in with free practice and seeing how people are getting on before making the predictions, so use it wisely. The temptation um, to sing the song closing time at full volume then was almost overwhelming. <laughs> I'm thrilled you didn't. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> yes, let's move to some inbox. Oh, and as always, there's still prizes for a uh, season champion and oh, yes. anyone manages five out of five in a week, which has happened before. Mm. Yes, it has indeed. But yes, inbox. Hear from you lovely people. Um, I'll run the first one since I'm, I'm in the mode, I'm in the zone. Uh, Tom Austin Morgan says, uh, do you guys think there'll be much of a difference between those drivers who took part in e-races over, this, uh, over the break 
uh, to those that didn't, such as a sharper race instinct. Mm. So, I think I think kind of maybe make a slight difference. That once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it can't. It, it just it can't hurt as long as you've been no, exactly. as long as you've been training as well. It can't hurt, can it? That's as far as I go. That's as far as I'm going to yeah. go with it. I, I think you, there's no substitute for real on track practice and racing in the real world um but it's the next best thing so it can't hurt yeah i'd, I'd agree with that sentiment we kind of covered it a little bit earlier yeah. didn't we? but yeah. i think that i think that their eyes will be on stalks going into an f1 <laughs> yeah. race because they'll they'll be used to <laughs> they'll be used to like joe blogs on iRacing crashing into the side of him in turn one like they they're gonna be suddenly feeling a lot of space i think when they come to an f1 grid in comparison yeah probably but it'd be interesting to see how because there's like a there's like a soft list isn't there of, of guys that have regularly been doing online racing of some degree so it'd be interesting to see where the likes of those like you've got russell norris um leclerc um Albon's done a bit, Verstappen does a bit. So it would be very interesting to see where that little group ends up in the final standings come the weekend compared mm. to the, those that haven't yeah. been doing it as much. Worth a glance. See if there's anything in it. Yeah. Uh next, Sam Van Houten says, finally a race preview podcast. We're getting there slowly. Uh <laughs> do you guys reckon Max will take a double victory here, or do you think Lewis in his new black car can make a head start here for his seventh title? Can McLaren do something? I just don't know as it's been so long since testing. I seriously have no clue what to expect. Um I will say on that, I thought this earlier, if there was ever any doubt that Hamilton was kind of not quite got the as much fight or like his what career's winding down or whatever, from what we've seen of him on the internet in recent months. I don't think he's ever looked hungrier, to be honest. Like yeah, I would true. be afraid of being another driver going up against him this year. Um, yeah, same. I do still think that there's a good chance Max will take back-to-back wins at these first two races. Well, at the very least, he'll come out of it with more points, but I just can't wait to find out. I'm so excited yeah. to find out. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. so difficult. Yeah, I'm the it's same. It's palpable. It's so hard to to think. We've again, we've sort of covered this a little bit, haven't we? But um, will Max take it? I don't think he'll take a double victory. I think he might take at least one, though. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, me and you, Stu, don't think he'll get the first one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah, we've just done predictions, so. so um, um, but yeah, I, I think he'll come away. I, I think I agree with Chris's point that. He could come away leader of the championship by the end of the the double header in Austria, I think. But other than that, I don't know if he'd win both races though. Yeah. Judging by, I think it'll be. I think after these first two, it'll be really close the championship. Whatever. I think yeah, it's going to be a so right. Too. I think it's going to be a real mixed bag these first two races. That's what I'd say. Yeah. I don't think it'll be. I don't think there's going to be any conclusions drawn from the first two whatsoever for the remainder of the season. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next question is from Brianna Gable, and she says, how do you think having multiple races at one track is going to affect the standings? Well, what will happen is people will end the races in different positions, and they'll get points. <laughs> Thanks, to you. And then in the second race, the same thing will happen, and then they'll have more points than they had in the first race because they've just done a second race. <laughs> 
Do you, no, do you not think doing a, a, a second race at the same circuit will? Yeah, have... this is, sorry, I'm trivialising, aren't I? This is. So I, don't, I know this... you are, but I'm just trying to bring it back on course. <laughs> yeah. There is a really interesting factor in this actually that we've not talked about, um, which is so Pirelli this season. Normally, the teams get uh, to choose their tire allocation, as we've had for a number of years now. This season, just because of the way things are, Pirelli are just saying this is the tire set that every team is getting. Ooh. Which is one factor. Yeah. But a more interesting factor is, so these first two races in Austria, every team, exactly the same set of tires, both races. So you would expect that whoever goes well in the first race is probably going to go well in the second race. However, when we get to Silverstone, the two races there are going to have different um, tire sets. Um, I believe, I think I'm right in saying for the second race, the tyres the teams have been given are skewing slightly softer than they did in the first race. So at Silverstone, I think there's a good chance we're actually going to have two very different races as a result of that. That's very interesting. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to see just how much of a difference that makes between the two races. I mean, th- there is also the fact that we're having a race in britain in august so there's a good chance they'll both be completely rained <laughs> off and they'll only touch the wet tires anyway and this will all be academic I mean, just, just but... a race in britain in the first place is a good chance yeah never mind what off, month it? it is yeah um in yeah. in a serious serious answer to a question i think definitely like max verstappen's probably gonna have a better start than he normally would so i think early yeah. early in the season it the effect is going to be that you might see drivers lead the championship that otherwise wouldn't be necessarily leading the championship at that point in the season but I think overall if the question is how is it going to affect the standings overall I think over an entire season you know it's kind of races are races and point to point so it it just it's I don't really see how it necessarily has that much of an effect unless you're at a track that someone has a really 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 huge advantage at say you ran three races at a track you know that 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 one particular driver is really really good at and always wins then obviously that's going to have a huge effect on the on the on the championship but in terms of like the way this is shaking out i, I don't think it will really make much difference yeah I, I do think there's something to be said though as you say now with the first three races of the season are, are generally tracks where you tend to see red bull do decent and mm. especially max as well like the, those first three races could be quite significant, and you know if he can get an upper hand on on Lewis, like you might yeah. see it rattle him a little bit. Yeah, like, we know Lewis a is a way. pretty focused guy, but he's not going to like being behind a third of the, of the way into the season as it stands at the minute. So that's true. But then you've that got back to back races at Silverstone, and yeah. are you going to bet against anyone yeah. other than Hamilton to win those? Exactly. That I think that's what that's what brings the excitement back into it. Yeah, it's going to swing backs and forwards. We're going to get an interesting and different start to what we usually see. And it's probably going to bring the best out of Lewis once it comes back round to the two races back here in uh, Silverstone, I think. He's not had to be the one chasing for quite a while, has he? Exactly. And and the, the first three rounds could see him put in that position, I think. Yeah. 
Potential. Also, sorry, sorry for taking the mick out of your question. That's actually. A really good <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we recovered it well enough. I think you got off the yeah. hook there, Stu. Uh, next one, Wesley Paul says, uh, "Seb, does he show up and race, or just phone it in? If he shows up to race, will the Scuderia strategy torpedo his chances? Assuming Kvyat doesn't do that first." <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I, I don't know. It. it is he going to come into this season sort of with a point to prove, do you think? I, I can't see him just coasting his way through, honestly. No, I think he's going to have a bit bit. Of, I've said, I think, he, I think he'll go for it. I think he's going to be as hungry as I think as so ever. too. Yeah. He, he doesn't, I, hope, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Hope so. He's not going to want to end his Ferrari career like with a whimper being beaten no. by his teammates again, is he? No, absolutely no. not. You, you'd think not. No. Plus, I mean, he's out of work at the end of the year, so he needs to put himself in the shop window. Yeah, yeah exactly. to, be, yeah, to be fair, yeah. though, I do think that his biggest enemy could be his own team in the oh, sense yeah, that for sure. they are, like we said earlier, they are probably going to favour um, Charles now. So hmm. I think he's going to see the, the harsher end of some yeah. team strategy decisions, which mm-hmm. could cost him. Um, Sebastian but... Charles is faster than you. Do you understand <laughs> yeah. this message? Uh, Kevin Cosgrave, with the way Red Bull have been talking, it seems like the car may be better than testing showed. Uh, in saying that, do you guys think Max sees this season as his chance? Could we see him seeing red again if things don't go his way and the pressure is on? I like to think he's matured a lot since that. Then again, we thought that before he had that incident with Ocon a couple of years ago, didn't we? Yeah, we've said um, that a few times and we've been proven wrong. But then, then again, that was kind of... It was a bit of a, a one-off in recent times, wasn't it, really, that incident, I think? Yeah, he doesn't seem to lose his call quite as often these days. Yeah. Mm, that's like, true. I, I think he's, he has matured as a... yeah as a competitor within the sport. So Probably since, actually, since the the thing with Ocon, that probably did him a world of good because everyone came down him really hard for that. Yeah. He's Since that point, he sort of really has sort of upped his game and sort of calmed mm. down a lot, hasn't he? Um, He's got to be looking at these first three races and rubbing hands, his hands together. I think everyone yeah. at Red Bull yeah. must be. Yeah. This is definitely going to be his best chance of winning a title he's had so far. Whether it is a 100%. realistic chance remains to be seen, but... He's definitely going to be needing to go into the season thinking that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, you know what? I really hope he does win the first three races. And It'd set us up very nicely, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. wouldn't it? It set us up really. It set us up with a great chase for the rest of the season, and you know, to see him and Hamilton wheel to wheel a bit more is something that we've not really. Again, we just don't see Hamilton's so quick. We don't see him wheel to wheel with other people when he's on song. <laughs> he just goes, but. Um, yeah. You know, we never, we saw him wheel to wheel with Vettel a few times, didn't we? Over the last season, couple of seasons, and Hamilton always seemed to come out on top. So can can Verstappen sort of do a better job of it? I wonder. But that's a different question altogether, isn't it? Yes, it literally is. It literally is. We'll find out the answer. <laughs> yeah. And now another. Yeah. And now another question. Um, Mitchell Herrera says. With there being such a long break, teams are bound to have come up with solutions to problems they had in testing. How do you think the order of teams will be switched up? Uh, we kind of we kind of touched on this one as well, didn't we? Um, yeah, I kind of touched this already. I I do think he's probably just going to bring things a bit closer together. Um, I doubt anyone's going to yeah. turn up with anything like 
a new development that will completely like change their fortunes or anything like that. Um, it's, it's going to be more gradual change, isn't it, than that? Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. No one's going to suddenly have a, yeah. a triple diffuser or something. A Mercedes running the trick steering solution. That's DAS. The, of the yeah, I don't think they've got any choice, realistically. I think, I think they basically said that it would be too dramatic a change to... To yeah. develop around not Do you think we'll it. see them using it? I think That's so. That's another thought, isn't it? I think they will. Mm. Um, I mean, we, we said before Australia, um, the first time they do use it, they're going to get protested in all likelihood. But, I mean, you might as well do it the first race and find out, I guess, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. And Australia well, probably it... does lend itself to what that system is trying to achieve as well. Yeah. So if they're not winning, though, is anyone going to bother protesting it? Yeah, true. Well, <laughs> well they, they wait till they still... win and then protest it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it. mean, it's, it's a bit damning though. If they do win, if they don't win the first three, then they do win a race and then it gets protested. The, the simple answer to the protest is, "Well, why don't you protest it? These other three races." Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because that, if you're that worried so about it, if they're going to do it, they've got to do it at the first race. So again, that's another. Yeah. I guess that's another storyline we can wait to see unfold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Talia says, hey guys of the show, thank you very much. Um, not much to do with the upcoming GP, but as a newer fan, I've been re-watching races and listening to your recaps, which has been great. Uh, I was thinking during some of the penalty discussions, what stops the stewards applying multiple penalties for the same incident? E.g. a 10 second stop go isn't harsh enough, but they, want to act, but they don't actually want to black flag someone. So why couldn't they give a 10 second stop go followed by a drive through on a following lap to have, to harm their race without a disqualification could applying multiple penalties increase the range of punishments for different offense uh, to apply different offenses differently would you like the really boring but correct answer to this do it (laughs) before you before you give it before you give it before you give it i'm gonna guess there's a double jeopardy rule of some description in the rules that stops you being punished for the same thing twice yeah, probably. It's even simpler than that. Article 38.3 of the sporting regulation says the stewards may impose any one of the penalties below on any driver involved <laughs> in an incident. Oh, there you go. So it's the wording in the rules. Then they yep, the, 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 the rule says one. That's basically it, unfortunately. Yeah. To be I think that's it, fair. I think that's right. I think the, the rules should be dynamic enough that you, you can select. Yeah. The, the penalty system should be dynamic enough that you can. there should be an appropriate penalty for every infringement. Um, yeah, and... To be honest, a 10-second stop-go is so damning to a race anyway. You don't really see them anymore, do you? I don't remember the last time I saw a 10-second stop-go for someone. Yeah, they are like a pretty harsh penalty. Yeah. As it it stands. So, I guess she must have just watched all the Black Flag drama from Monza and stuff last year. Yeah, probably. Uh, Can you remember Leclerc gave um, Hamilton a bit less room than he probably should have? He got the old black and white flag. He got the black and white, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think it's right the way it is. I don't. I, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't. I, myself is maybe I've been watching too long. There, I, don't, I don't like change, but I think I think there's enough in there. They could always add in extra penalties if they need. If they found that like certain infringements were being made and there was a pattern emerging, then the 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 system is in place for them to create a new type of penalty and put that into the rule exactly. set. 
So I think that's where you'd go more likely, isn't it? Rather than stacking yeah. two different kinds of penalties for the same incident, what yeah. you would do is if you were finding that if you were finding the need for that, you would probably create something that sits in between those like well those penalties on the those spectrum parameters. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah 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 so that you've yeah. got something that's a little more appropriate I well think i mean that's where you'd go with it for a very long time the only penalty options they had were a drive-through or a 10 second stop go it's, it's not that long ago when they added no. the five second penalty where when you take your pit yeah. stop no one can touch the car for five seconds and just adding that like gives a lot more nuance to it and i think yeah as you say that kind of does the job as it needs to. Yeah. It's a really good question. Yeah, it is actually. Final question this week. Uh, Liam says, with talks of Mugello, Imola and Hockenheim maybe making an appearance on the 2020 calendar, what other FIA grade one tracks would you like to see F1 go to in 2020? I'd personally love to see the Algarve circuit. There's actually not... It's How many is it? It's not a massive list, is it, of uh, grade one circuits in the world. The vast majority... The majority of them, F1 already races at. Um... Yeah. Of the ones that it doesn't, I mean, part of me would yeah. like to see them go back to Manicore because I always love that circuit, but I also accept that the racing there would probably be yeah. Come on, mate. Sir, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like Stu's, that circuit. Stu's reaction to that comment says it all, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Just calm yourself down over there, Chris. <laughs> there is a correct answer to this question, though. Um, Bugatti circuit is that a um, it's if you're going to go to not, France again it's not is it on the not? list I don't think no no yeah. that's surprising I think I think I, I agree with the Algarve because of my comments earlier when we were talking about the potential of it being on the calendar in the first place um, out of one that we didn't talk about earlier I'd, I'd like Fuji but Fuji was always really seriously weather plagued wasn't it yeah. like it was all it was always a torrential downpour at Fuji, which is, I think, one of the reasons we don't particularly go there. Yeah, so well, it was the time. It was the time of year they were going. They're going to the wrong time of year. It was the problem. Yeah, uh, middle of monsoon season. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I think if if the timing fell right, I'd kind of like to see that. Although I've just thought about it, and I think I know where Chris is going when he said this one answer. Go on. Is it a Turkish circuit by any chance? Ding 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 ding. Oh, <laughs> Correct answer has been yeah. found. Yeah. 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 Big time, yeah. That's yeah, Fuji in Istanbul. Yeah. yeah, you know what? That could happen. That could totally happen this season. I'm so, they must have been chatting to them. It's it, as far as I know, the circuit's still used, so it's not like it'd need like massive t- clean up and work and stuff. I, I believe that's it's still used for circuit. kind of. Local is, it still, races. is it still on the Grade One list? Is yeah, it still on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah apparently so. Really, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Q8 Motortown is on that list. If Q8 Motortown's on the list, then definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Q8 Motor Town is, I've never even heard of it. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a wild guess and say it's in Q8. <laughs> it, it is indeed, Chris. Uh, Tom, um, that's the really Nurburgring the as one. well. I was going to mention. I think the the Nurburgring Grand Prix yeah, circuit Nürburgring, is all right. Quite a I, I used to enjoy driving that one. Nah, again, race. I can't remember any races that really stood out there, but. In terms of driving it on games and stuff, I, I've, I've enjoyed that one in the past. All the best races there I can think of are ones where it rained. So, yeah, yeah. Sepang, I, like Sepang's a decent track in Malaysia. Yeah, Sepang would be great. That was. Yeah. It's a that shame that one went. There was never anything wrong long, with Sepang. Long, long old straights on that one. And that um, really horrible um, the corner going onto the 
last straights where oh, you have to yeah. sort of go in flat out and break, break and turn awful yeah, corner. Yeah. Um, but very challenging. But I think, yeah, we, we've already got the right answer, and that is exactly, Istanbul yeah. Park in Turkey, 100%. That, <laughs> yeah. this, can't, this discussion can end right there. Yep. <laughs> when, whenever you're talking about circuits, the correct answer is just always Istanbul Park, and then you can move on. Yeah. It is the best circuit. Why it's did so they get rid good. of it? It's, it's like, so I'm good. so disappointed. Every time I play the F1 game, I'm always so sad when I can't race an F1 car <laughs> at that circuit. It's so good. And that I think will probably do us for this week. It's been a it's been a bumper one, but we've been off for a few weeks, so uh, we probably uh, should do a big one to make up for it. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just very excited to see some cars going around the track again. It feels so good for it to actually be nearly race time again. Yeah, I'm very excited. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we're on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Back of the Grid. Or our website is backofthegrid.com where you can fill in a contact form and you can also sign up if you haven't already for the Predictions League. It is completely free. Um, drop in your predictions before the beginning of Q1 on Saturday and you'll be in the mix to potentially win a prize. We'll be back in a week's time to review the Austrian Grand Prix and also preview the Austrian Grand Prix again. But until then, thank you very much for joining us and goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.